The first step is always awareness. You know, a lot of these things are under the surface, they're subconscious, they're very sneaky, and they're driving our lives. The work that we are here to do is start by bringing awareness and bringing light to these darker areas of our being so that we can transform them. If you're ready to say yes to your wealthiest and most abundant life, overflowing bank accounts, and a deep sense of inner fulfillment, well, then you are definitely in the right place. Welcome to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Helena Grace Donald, and I'm a money mindset expert, success, and business coach. But really, all you need to know is that I am obsessed with helping women feel safe and in total flow around money. So let's do this. Hello and welcome back to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. So grateful to have you here because today we're talking about breaking the good girl myth. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like that deserves like a dun, dun, dun after it. But I am joined by an incredible woman called Maho Molfino, and she's actually the author of Break the Good Girl Myth, which is a number one new release on Amazon. And I just want to read what she says on her website. She says, for thousands of years, women have been taught to be good instead of powerful. But when we embody the good girl, we hold back their voices and gifts in a world that desperately needs female perspective. And in this conversation, we talk about the five key good girl myths and the history behind being a good girl and how we can start breaking free from really the shackles of feeling like we have to always be good girls and what it enables us to do and to feel when we allow ourselves to embody our authenticity and who we truly are. Now, Maho was only able to join us for a 30-minute interview, but within these 30 minutes, I think they're pretty packed full with some great insight and some massive takeaways. And as somebody who was definitely raised in a society of thinking and feeling like I always had to be a good girl. This was very insightful for me too. And it's been a journey that I even personally have been on to understand who I am beneath those layers and beneath those expectations. And it's a journey that I invite you on, especially today, as we start breaking down what some of those good girl myths are together. So without further ado, let's do this. I'm super excited to be joined by Maho Morfino today on the Girl Unfiltered podcast, who is the author of The Good Girl Myth. Thank you so much for joining us today, Maho. Thanks, Helena. Happy to be here. So I just want to dive straight in, to be honest, because The Good Girl Myth is something that when I heard you speak about it, absolutely fascinated me and resonated with me on such a deep level. Could you just describe to me and the listeners, of course, what the good girl myth is? Sure. So the good girl myth is a self-sabotaging tendency that we have to choose to be good instead of be who we truly are and be powerful. And in the book that I wrote, Break the Good Girl Myth, I argue that there are five good girl myths we have to overcome. I'm also just curious, Elena, just to back up for a second before we dive into the myths, did you grow up as a good girl? 
Oh, 110%. Like I'm about to share that for sure. Like grew up in the UK and was very much um, programmed and made to feel like I absolutely had to be quote unquote a good girl in so many different areas. Definitely, I am still a recovering perfectionist. Yes. Mm -hmm. Definitely was like, you know, had to get straight A's, had to not only do all of that and um, do all of the extracurricular uh, activities and strive to feel successful and validated in those areas, but also very much so had to look a certain way and had to be a certain size. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to unpack. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. Like, it's so interesting to hear different women's stories about why they became good girls or what it was for them. Cause it's such a universal phenomenon, you know, but we all have our own unique journey and flavor of good girl. And in my case, it was that I was a daughter of immigrants. And so it was all about repaying my parents back and like striving to make them happy. I didn't want to disappoint them. I was terrified of disappointing them. And so, you know, getting my straight A's and winning the trophy was the way that I made my parents proud and, and made their sacrifice feel worthwhile. And I know a lot of other daughter of immigrants relate to that. But then there are women who I talked to who were like trained as classical dancers, for example. Mm -hmm. and and they had their good girl journey of like, oh my gosh, like all the messaging I received from my teachers that were, you know, my dance teachers and even my parents about just like, even if I made a mistake, it was such a big deal, you know, and how negative inner self-talk would begin, especially right around puberty, but even earlier than that. And so, you know, if you're a woman who's listening right now, just to think back to your early childhood and your adolescence and think about the messages you received during the ages zero to 18, you know, and, and it's so easy to overlook that, but so much of our formation happens then that kind of sets the course of the rest of our lives. Absolutely. And I mean, I could even break it down between like, oh, this is what I felt or received zero to seven. Then this is what I felt like pre-puberty. This is what I felt like in puberty. It's just layer upon layer upon layer. And what's really interesting is like, I completely relate with what you're saying about being the straight A student, but like, I wasn't the daughter of immigrants, but I still felt that in my unique way. And it's like, even though what I feel from what you're saying is that we can all have our different experiences and our different upbringings. There's something very, very universal about these very, very specific five good girl myths. That's right. And, and the reason it's universal is because, you know, I start the book off with the, with this foundational work and explanation around the patriarchy. Cause a lot of us haven't done, you know, maybe we didn't take a feminist studies class or a gender studies class. So maybe we have like a hunch that something is off and, but we can't quite, we don't have language around it or can't put our finger on it. Or maybe some of us don't want, like to be associated with quote unquote feminism. Maybe we are allergic to that word or we think of it as, you know, some kind of, I think that's changing now with millennials yeah. and Gen Z, but just think about it, Helena, like the patriarchy has been around for millennia. We're talking, uh, it started around 3,500 BC. So yeah. It's been around for at least 5,000 years. Since we've had written language, we've known that there has been a social and cultural system pretty globally that privileges men over women and other genders. And it's been like that since the beginning of time. Now, of course, there have been little pockets of matriarchies throughout history, but they've always been very isolated. They've never been widespread the way patriarchy has been. So it's not surprising that many of us grow up to feel the pressure to be this 
type of girl or type of woman, when you're born into a world is basically just throwing messages at you from day one of be small, don't take up space, act quiet. And if you break any of that stuff, what do you receive? You receive backlash, right? You get either you get punished, you get shamed, you get humiliated, you get ostracized. So it's real too. It's not just like totally something in your head. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's really important to note that what I was trying to do with the book was like, listen, we're born into the system. It sucks. But guess what? You know, if you're educated woman in a modern society right now, you have the opportunity to unlearn the patriarchy inside of yourself. What a huge task that is, but you can do it because you're equipped with the tools and the knowledge and the consciousness at this point in time to do that inner work. So you can free yourself and liberate yourself from these ways of thinking, these limiting ways of thinking that I have to be this kind of woman because it pleases my partner or my parents or my teachers or my society or my religion, you know? It's all about pleasing somebody else. Like when I hear you say that, I go through the mental list of all the people I needed to please. And it was never about, was I even in my house? It was like, am I pleasing myself? Like it was always what everyone else's idea of what success looked like or happiness looked like. And often that was even based on what people outside of our family would even perceive those things to be as well. Definitely. Yeah. Pleasing, people pleasing is a huge thing. I was just listening to an interview with Oprah yesterday or she was on and she, you know, she was a recovering people pleaser for most of her life, had real trouble saying no to people. And so even really powerful women have had to overcome the good girl myths. Hey loves, I'm just pausing this episode and this brilliant conversation for a moment because I wanna give you a heads up. So I am in the middle right now of running my five-day money magnet bootcamp. If you're a part of it, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. But here's the thing, on Friday the 18th of June, I will be officially launching my signature program that I only launch once a year called Money Mindset Magic, which is an incredibly powerful, deep, transformational way for you to work with me on radically up-leveling your relationship with money and uncovering your subconscious blocks and completely rewiring them. The ladies on last year's program went through some epic shifts. And here's the thing, if you want to secure one of the spots to the program early, then I have a little waitlist link that you can get access to. And if you sign up via the waitlist, you'll actually receive an additional $200 off when the program launches within, I think this code is only going to be available for within the first 48 hours. So you're going to want to use that as quickly as you possibly can, because you're also going to be the first to be able to then jump on and access some other incredible bonuses that I'll be launching on that Friday. So really, you have absolutely nothing to lose by getting ahead of the game and using that waitlist link, because not only are you going to get those additional $200 off, you're also going to probably be one of the first people to be able to snag those epic bonuses that you'll find on the page when you go and click on the link. So I just wanted to let my incredible podcast listeners know what's up and what's happening. 
because I know a lot of you have actually been waiting for me to officially announce and launch this program. So here it is, and the link is in the show notes below with all of the information. So I can't wait to hopefully see you in there. I think we're on the brink. I don't know if you feel this, but I'm just so grateful for your work because when you look at the whole patriarchal system, (laughs) we probably can't unpack 3,000 years, but when you look at it on a whole, I mean, even just in the 60s and 70s, like women couldn't even own their own bank account in their own name. Exactly right. Under their husband's name. And I talk a lot about that in my work. And so we're in this amazing time I feel in history where we actually do have the tools and the resources and the ability to completely be our independent women, go after our goals and our dreams, make the money we want to make, live the life we want to have. But with that being said, and this is a big part of my work and obviously your work as well, we have that in front of us. We're being handed now this ability to have that quote unquote freedom, but I still feel like we are still weighed down by the generations and generations and generations of beliefs of what we should be in the boxes we should fit. So it's like, we're almost like running to like towards our goals in this really beautiful way with now this freedom. But I feel like we're dragging freaking history behind us. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's really hard. You have to think about them as like, you know, I talk about the good girl myths as programs, like software programs that get like yeah. downloaded into us at a very young age. And then we're like, by default, on running the program. And it's up to us to debug it or to stop stop it from running. But we're, we're born into so many different gender scripts, you know, and like about how certain things should be. And I catch myself all the time, you know, like even just with my husband, like the other day, I was like, really catching myself, like he takes out the trash and recycling. And I do like the other more like cleaning up of the kitchen and like doing the food prep and the food. And I was like, why are these divisions and roles happening so naturally for us? It's because it's what we watched our parents do. So we're falling into the script and I'm like, I have to like override my tendency to not want to take out the trash and be like, no, Maho, like you can take out the trash from time to time and he can do like we can switch when we want, unless we're consciously choosing and saying, hey, let's consciously choose this. Like, I want you to do that and I'll do this. And can we agree and make a commitment that that's what's best for us? And that's what we're choosing. And with all this stuff, it's like, are you choosing it or are you defaulting into it? That's the nuance. Ooh, that's a really good question to ask yourself and for all the listeners. Are you choosing this or is this just your default programming? I think that's great. I do. I think that getting married and and certainly marrying my husband has been one of the greatest, well, obviously the relationship in itself has been one of the greatest teachings and lessons, but it's been so fascinating for me, obviously living full-time with a, a very male man and seeing how his way of showing up and his thought processes are so different to mine and how he doesn't seek validation. He doesn't need anyone's approval. He's very, very confident in his beliefs and who he is. He's very okay setting his boundaries. Like if he wants to go to the golf course for three hours, he's going to the golf course for three hours. <laughs> oh yeah. Like my husband with the surf, it's like peacing out yeah. for half a day. No, no guilt about it. Yeah. Whereas I'd be like, oh, but I'm not spending time with this person, or maybe I should be doing this or that. And it's just fascinating to really see 
the very clear differences for sure. Yeah, the, the amount of permission that I've seen a lot of men give themselves without second thought. They don't even think of it as granting themselves permission. It's like, oh, I have a desire and I'm going after it. And there's no argument in the mind about it, like you said. And that's because, you know, from a very young age, it's about formation. Like boys are expected to do that. They're expected to like go out and play and tinker and like (laughs) just have fun. And, And, you know, that's in line with what they're supposed to do. Whereas girls are meant to stay inside and be helpful. And be good. (laughs) So it's just different. And so yes, looking at those things is so important. And I don't think it's a, it's a matter of us being more like men, though, I think it's, it's more like taking the best out of that masculine quality and Mm. bringing that into our own lives. And they they can learn from us and the best of our feminine qualities and bring that into their lives, you know, Absolutely. It's an exchange. Yeah, because both affect one another because the more we embrace even our power in our femininity, the more we also give, I believe, the male energy the ability to do the same. We both have masculine feminine. And so I think it's it's an awakening of both at the moment, regardless of what gender you are. Absolutely. Let's get let's get into the myths. Yeah, I, that's totally. I'm like, okay, well, let's do it. What are the five key good girl myths that you see? Okay, so number one is the myth of rules, and I'll I'll say them all. I'll list them all out first, and then we'll dig yeah. in. So, myth of rules, myth of perfection, myth of logic, myth of harmony, and myth of sacrifice. So, the myth of rules is. Following external rules and authority instead of trusting your own desires, needs, and opinions. So this is like when you're looking outside of yourself, particularly around others' expectations of what you should be doing, instead of actually tapping into what do you want and what do you need and what do you think and feel, you know? So your own self-authority is what we're reclaiming with that. Perfection is the second one. It's my number one good girl myth. And this is, you know, demanding extremely unrealistic high standards of ourselves and even other people instead of sort of embracing the mistakes of and reality of how things are, which is that life and reality are messy and very imperfect and just kind of embracing that. That's the work we need to do in order to reclaim ourselves, particularly reclaim our authenticity and vulnerability when we break that good girl myth. Mm. That's a big one. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really big one. Yeah. Yeah. That resonates with me on so many levels. Like, I think that's definitely my biggest one. Do you find that the perfectionist one is the biggest one for most women? You know, it's been kind of a tie between that and I would say sacrifice and harmony are pretty big. Mm, Okay. So let's talk about those. Sacrifice. So sacrifice is putting other people's needs above our own needs, often, you know, at the expense of our self-care and well-being. And this, you see this a lot in the older generation, but you also see it like, you know, uh, we've been so oriented, like the roles, the social roles that and scripts that we've had have been so oriented around helping others and serving others and being in a supportive role to others, particularly our children and husbands. So it's been a lot about our identities being associated with a role. Like it's not about, for example, like it wouldn't be about Helena. It would be about Helena as a wife, Helena as a daughter, Helena as a sister, (laughs) Helena as a friend. Like when you're under the good girl myth of sacrifice, you're like obsessed with like really performing well in your social role, but because you want to be so helpful and giving. 
And so the root of it is actually empathy, which is really beautiful, but it's almost like it's gone into overdrive and you're putting yourself at the bottom of the list, your last person. And I think for a lot of women that can, especially women who are caretakers, they really, where's the self-care and and not in a way, I think also, again, going back to default and choice, because there is definitely a period of life where sacrifice makes sense. And for men as well, men as well, you know, there's a period of time where it's time to sacrifice certain things for other things, but you're choosing that versus just defaulting into it again and again for decades. So the next thing you know, you're wondering, well, I've been supporting everybody else's dreams. What do I want? And how often does that happen to women in their fifties and sixties? They have like a second renaissance because completely their kids leave the house. It totally happened to my mom because that was probably one of the biggest ones for her. And she's in that phase now. And she's like, I'm off to Bali. I'm going to go rediscover myself. I'm like, good for you, mom. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to like go read that fiction book that I've, you know, put off or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, actually look at my health too. Right. And like my body, because oftentimes you're just like working, working for other people. You're kind of dropping your own, your own body and what your body wants to slow down. So that's a big one. And the myth of harmony is huge. I mean, seeking harmony instead of embracing conflict and confrontation needed for change, that is a biggie. So, you know, if you've experienced any kind of trauma when you were younger that required you to like stay quiet, or like if you ever spoke up or you got in trouble and you were punished, or if you ever were just like afraid of disappointing other people, what they might think, if they might get angry at you. You know, if you experience a parent's anger, you most likely will be in the myth of harmony. You might most likely have this good girl myth where your number one goal is to make sure that you don't have any conflict, you don't have any confrontation, and, you know, everyone's getting along, you're getting along with everyone, you know, smooth sailing. That's what you like in your social relationships. And that sounds really nice short term, but long term, what does that do to you? Long term, you're not sharing you know, your voice and your truth. And long-term, I've seen relationships completely deteriorate and erode because she was, a woman was in a dynamic in which she was under the good girl myth of harmony and didn't speak up for herself. And next thing you know, down the road, the relationship explodes. And that's where the woman can take responsibility in in that partnership or relationship. Obviously the other person in in the relationship also has to take responsibility in their own way. But I think the good girl myth of harmony is how we end up in toxic friendships too, or relationships. You know, there are always those people that are draining our energy that we need to cut out of our lives. And it's just time. It's time to do the hard work of, you know, picking up your, you know, I like to say the metaphoric sword and drawing a line in the sand and saying no more, that's enough. And that's often reclaiming our voice and doing, using our voice. Our voice is a very powerful weapon and we've been taught and trained out of using it. Yeah, absolutely. I work with a lot of women who really have to actually clear out their throat chakra because there's so much energetical just blocks there because they don't feel confident or safe even using their voice. And then how that infiltrates obviously into all different areas of life from career to relationships. Absolutely. hundred percent. And then the final good girl myth is logic. It's a really rare one. It's actually my secondary good girl myth in the book, Break the Good Girl Myth. I, in chapter three, I have an assessment you can take where you can figure out where you score on each each of these myths so you can discover your biggest blind spot and your secondary blind spot. So mine is logic, which is, you know, if you grew up being like 
kind of more bookish or smart and you really like wanted to do good in school and, and it was all about critical thinking and analytical thinking and dissecting everything. And like, there's a sort of this, this way of, you know, choosing logic over intuition and being divorced from our body and, and this whole other realm of intelligence that we have, which is our feminine intelligence, our creative intelligence, our imagination that often gets dropped, forgotten, erased. So it's, it's time for us to also reclaim that part of ourselves and own our intuition when we're making decisions in our lives. We don't need to have a perfect answer for it. You know, we don't need to have the pros list be longer than the cons list. You know, we can just say like, I'm choosing this because it just feels right in my bones. And learning to do that, for a lot of us, it's been a relearning to do that. Yeah. Following that intuition instead of logic. Yeah. Okay. So it's very, very clear that I think every single woman has to go and buy your book because I mean, everyone, I don't, I don't know how a woman can't listen to what you just said and not resonate with at least one or two of those on a very, very deep level, if not all of them. Yeah. Well, it's funny, Elena, that you say that because there's some women who are like, well, I didn't grow up as a good girl, you know? And I'm like, well, really? yeah. Oh yeah. There are women who like did not they're like, I know those good girls. Like I went to school with them, <laughs> but I wasn't one of them. And wow. I'm, like, I'm like, oh, so interesting. So tell me more. And then as I dig in, I tell them about the five good girl myths. And they're like, oh yeah, no, I definitely have some of those. So even if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I don't know that I'm, I grew up as a good girl or I fit the good girl archetype, but I definitely can resonate with some of the, if not all, but some of the five good girl myths. But it sounds like to me, like your listeners kind of <laughs> hit the mark of, yeah of a good girl mentality, which is a lot of women who also listen to my podcast are the same way and who've been following me for years. I mean, that's why we're attracted to working with each other. It's like, yeah, I, I get that. I get that thing. Yeah. Isn't it? It's kind of telling that I'm more shocked at the idea that there could be a woman out there who doesn't have one of these five good girl myths. Cause I'm like, what is that possible in today's society? I'm sure that once you uncover it on a deeper level, there's something that obviously resonates though. Absolutely. So other than going to buy your book, what is just maybe one thing that a woman can start doing today to begin unraveling and releasing those layers of good girl perfectionism and rules and sacrifice? Sure. So I have a great process in the chapter in the myth of rules where you just list out all your shoulds. You know, just take a moment, take out a piece of paper, mm. think about all the shoulds that you feel like I should, you know, work for money. I should be nice to people. I should be thin. I should, and just like brainstorm all the shoulds that you just dump them onto a piece of paper and then just take a hard look at them. Start there because I think the first step is always awareness. You know, a lot of these things are under the surface, they're subconscious, they're very sneaky, and they're driving our lives. The work that we are here to do is start by bringing awareness and bringing light to these darker areas of our being so that we can transform them. Yeah, I bet those lists are going to be very long. (laughs) How would you support someone who maybe has the question of, okay, I know I have all of these shoulds, but if I drop the ball, that fear of what might happen though? Uh Uh-huh. The fear of, oh, if I don't, if I don't do some of these shoulds, what will happen? Yeah. Like if I drop the ball of having to answer this email straight away, or if I don't do this and this and this and support everyone around me or all those lists of shoulds, 
what if I'm a failure? What if I just sit back and do nothing? <laughs> just because I think that that's a thought that honestly, I think a lot of women probably have, even myself included. Yeah. I'm like, go for it. Try it for a day. See what happens. Yeah. You know, you'll see the world doesn't crumble. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> very, very true. So my final question, because I know that we can't keep you for too much longer, is if you could sit down and have a conversation with your youngest self, what is one thing that you would love to tell her? That's a good question. I think I would just say like, enjoy being a kid. Because I think I, I grew up wanting to grow up fast. Me too. You know, just like enjoy it, you know, just enjoy being a kid. Absolutely. And then I feel like we need to enjoy being kids now, even as adults sometimes. Totally. hundred percent. So thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, please share some of the ways that people can find out more about you and obviously also go and read the book. Yeah, you can get the book at goodgirlmyth.com. And uh, from there, you can explore my website. I'm also very active on Instagram at maho, that's spelled M-A-J-O, Molfino. That's a mouthful. So it's M-O-L-F-I-N-O. Maho Molfino is my handle on Instagram. Brilliant. So if you really resonate with one of the good girl myths and think that one really stands out for you, we would love for you to just screenshot that you're listening to this episode and then go tag both of us in it because we would love to hear what that good girl myth is. Thank you so much, Maho, for sharing that. I'm going to do a deep dive, I think, with my community on all of these good girl myths. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Helena. If you loved today's episode, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button because women supporting women is my jam. And if you want extra daily doses of motivation, then be sure to follow me on Instagram at girl underscore unfiltered and go ahead and screenshot this episode. Send me a DM and share your biggest takeaway because I love hearing from you and I just really want to drop into your DMs basically. (laughs) So I'm sending you so much love and abundance and have an amazing day.